Welcome to this episode of our new AWS podcast series, Innovation Ambassadors. I'm Sarah Armstrong, and as Senior Manager for Worldwide Prototyping at AWS, I'll act as your ambassador to some of the most interesting engagements with our AWS prototyping teams. On this episode of Innovation Ambassadors, we're showcasing the journey of HoloLite, an innovative company based in Bavaria, Germany, that specializes in immersive software and technology. What happens when the promise of virtual and augmented reality meets the real-world constraints of the compute and graphics limitations of today's mobile devices? We'll explore how HoloLight transformed their approach to leverage cloud technologies and enable rich, immersive experiences to a range of industrial and entertainment applications. I'm excited to welcome our special guest, Philip Longroff, Head of Technology at HoloLight. Thanks so much for being with us, Philip. Thanks, Sarah. I'm really excited to be here. And joining us from AWS is Marcus Bestehorn, Principal Engagement Manager from our EMEA prototyping team. Always nice to talk to you, Marcus. Hey, thanks for having me here. Philip, tell us a little bit about HoloLight and how you're approaching augmented and virtual reality. So, yes, sure. So basically what we do is we use augmented reality to make the day-to-day design process of engineers easier. For this, we've developed a product called Ares, Augmented Reality Engineering Space, where you can use and review your CAD data. Just that listeners can like imagine what's happening in a day-to-day life of an engineer. You can think he designed a new part of a car or even a whole new car and wants to review it. With your AR glasses, you can see it in your real environment. It's just like it would be there. You can walk around, you can show your colleagues, you can mark stuff, you can talk about what you like. And even going a step further, if you have a real prototype here and just designed a part new, you can overlay this part digitally over the real one to review it if it fits, does it fit on this place, how does it look like? And this is what our product is used in day-to-day life. Nice. So we often talk these days about XR, extended reality, sort of this inclusive term, right, about all immersive technologies. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the challenges are that you face in bringing XR to mobile and edge devices? So, yeah, the main challenge is mobile and edge devices, they need to be lightweight, right? I mean, you don't want to have a heavy phone, and especially if you're wearing even smart glasses, they have to be light and comfortable. The problem is, if you want to manufacture this, they have to have not that much performance because you can't fit in performance and lightweight in one thing. Um, and this is the issue. Um, we want to use the CAD data you would design with as an engineer. And these are really large files, really hard to process files. A car is not like out of 10 parts or anything like that. And there comes the issue in. But this we solved, and also together with AWS, because what we built up there is an SDK called ISER, standing for Interactive Streaming for Augmented Reality, which streams the whole app from a server. So the server does all the heavy lifting of calculation, of handling these large files, and your edge device does only display and give you the sensor input. And by this, you can do yeah, really, really high graphics, really large data, even point clouds of whole buildings on your edge device. The last thing we had is, I mean, you don't want to carry a server with you to be able to stream it, and right. there the cloud comes into. I mean... 
this is really great. You can just connect your AWS cloud, you get your instance there, you have your server in the cloud, and what I carry around is just my phone or my HoloLens. I connect there and I have all the visuals, I have the whole experience of Ares um, without me carrying any computer. So how did you come to work? You have this vision, you know, with, uh, of bringing this technology into the cloud. How did you come to work with Marcus and the prototyping team? So yes, um, first of all, we, we found out that we can't require every customer to buy a server and carry it around. Then we tried it with VMs in the cloud, which worked out quite nice. But now the issue was we want to have this customer friendly. You can tell a customer, yeah, you need to go into your AWS account. Then you need to set up a VM instance and know all about this. Um, no, we wanted to have a solution where the customer just logs in into a web portal, how you're used to, and can use all this. And there we approached AWS to help us out because we were quite new to the cloud. Mm, so Marcus, take us from there. What was the approach that you took with working with Philip and his team? So as usual, when we start or prior to a prototyping engagement, we evaluate where the customer is from various angles. And one of the key things that we had to look at here for, for Hololite was that they actually wanted to switch from a licensing-based business model to a pay-per-use business model. That means the customer should just log in and only pay for the time that they are actually using the solution compared to the previous approach where they would have to buy not only the hardware, but also the uh, license, mm. and then um, basically pay for the license and the laptop, even if they are not using the solution. So that was one of the challenges that we were facing. And the other one that we also tried to carve out at the very start was what is the actual latency and performance requirement that we are looking at here. Um, because contrary to maybe a streaming applications for uh, a movie, you do not have a lot of room for buffering uh, in this application. So those mm -hmm. were the two main areas that we were concerned with prior to going into this engagement. And we had a actually quite long preparation phase on this um, so that we can actually uh, provide a good solution and work on a good solution with the customer. That being said, in the prototype, we were also factoring in that we will experiment and also factored in that there will be failures and avenues that don't produce a result that is acceptable for, for our customer. Philip, talk to us a little bit about why latency was so critical in an application like you have. Let's go back to our car example. Imagine you're having on the smart glass and you're running around the car. The problem is the displays are right in front of your eyes. So now if the display, so the picture you see on there, doesn't update without any latency, while you move around, the car will move in the opposite direction. And this will make you really feel sick in the end because you're constantly moving. Your head is always moving. And if the picture doesn't yeah, be fast enough, you will get problems. And this is why latency comes in there. What videos do, videos can do buffering. They just say, server, I want to have the video, then let's wait for a second and then I start to play it so that I always have this buffer of one second in case something on the network doesn't come on the right time or anything. We can't do this because if you have a second delay while moving around, this will feel really, really bad. Mm, of course, yeah. I think maybe some of us have experienced uh, that seasickness that you get, right? Exactly. Marcus, tell us a little bit about the technical approach and the architecture that we built. 
So, of course, in this in this scenario, security um, is is an important factor because um, the customers are using, let's say, confidential models of um, a car or an engine or something or a building um, that is being built or developed, and therefore security was one of the concerns that we had to really solve first. Um, in in the solution, we used um, Cognito so that the customer could authenticate um, using, for example, a Windows domain or, or any other authentication mechanism. And then once the user is authenticated, we have an API, an interface that would basically take the requests from the web interface of the customer and trigger so-called Lambda functions in our backend that would finally bring up the EC2 instance that runs the rendering application of Hololite. And once the the user closes the application and logs out, this um, EC2 instance is uh, deprovisioning and um, therefore the customer only pays for the time while this EC2 instance is, is actually up and running. Sure. Um, you mentioned earlier, Marcus mentioned earlier, uh, Philip, about this this sort of change in your business model from that license based fee to a pay per use. Was was that cost factor um, for your end users a key design principle for you? Yes, um, because you have to imagine uh, right now the entry barrier of Ares was quite high. You need to buy a good edge device, either HMD or you can use a higher end phone. Um, you need to buy a server and you need to buy a license for Ares, which is also several thousand euros. Um, and now with the cloud solution, all you need to do is create an account, log in, and then you pay for what you use. So if you only use it one hour, you only pay one hour. And this was really important, especially imagine you're like a smaller studio, for example, a design studio. You want to sometimes show your designs to customers. You can't have 10 equipments in case they're one time nine people other than you want to see it. And this entry barrier we completely cancel out now, and this is really, really great. Marcus, can you um, talk to us a little bit about, you mentioned some of those avenues that uh, might not work out for you. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you overcame. So everyone that has been listening a bit now um, will immediately think, okay, um, maybe this is a good application for containers. And we initially thought that we would use a container approach for this uh, application of Hololine. Now, um, once we were starting with the prototype and started to, to try containers, we actually found out that um, the application requires rendering access to the graphical processing unit. Um, these are special specialized chips that are in nowadays basically every computer for uh, rendering your 3D content. And this access was required by a Windows application. And this combination of Windows application and rendering access is really difficult for containers. And we actually found out that um, we cannot use a container due to this combination of requirements. And this was a learning that we, we basically had within the first two days of the prototyping engagement, where we tried out, tried to run it in various container technologies, but then had to finally say, no, it doesn't work with containers. So we will have to find a different way. And 
that's what we actually did then right. with the EC2 instances. So we find that in experimenting with prototyping a lot, don't we, Marcus, that sort of taking that iterative approach. Phil, was that something that you find in your your own work and in, in with your engineers? Yes, unfortunately a lot. Since, um, yeah, I'm responsible for all the research we do in Hololite, we always have this try and failure. It's just important to come up with any backup plan. But especially in this situation, it was not that easy because everybody in the industry tells you, no, no, this is container, use containers, mm-hmm. use containers. This is everything is there for um, to go the step and say, no, this is not possible because everybody was like, no, no, this has to be something possible. You just don't get there. Uh, and I think this was an important step we made, um, but it's also not easy that you do this step. Philip, talk to us a little bit about that security. Marcus touched on some of the technology that we brought in. Why was security so important to you in this application? You have, I guess you're, you know, you're working primarily with industrial applications where you're doing these modeling of of potentially very sensitive or confidential. Uh, new products? Yeah, exactly. For example, we have one case study with Aris with a large car vendor in Munich, BMW, um, where they use Aris for their new prototypes. So you have to imagine there is the CAD data on there for the newest prototype of cars, which will come out in a few years. If that gets lost, it would be devastating. So security always was a really, really high concern. And but this was really cool because in AWS we have this shared responsibility principle so that we can know that your stuff is already secure. Um, and that was made it really easy for us because we just know we could use these services, they are secure in the stuff. We don't need to care about, we don't need to know how the security in detail works for user management, for example. And we can focus on our product um, by knowing still it's secure. This was really great. Nice. Tell us a little bit about that image for us. So BMW is using your software to, instead of creating physical prototypes that they would otherwise do, to create these virtual models and um, and use those in their design process, yeah? Yes. Um, what actually happened there is they also did a study on this, and they said they save one year of prototyping, which is huge. Because what they can do now is they have the new prototype, and for example, they have already the real body of the car, but now they need to see if the engine fits in. They can do this virtually right now. And this will also like save a lot of environmental resources because you don't have to build this stuff, which is always really costly. I, I love the idea that we prototyped with you a solution that is making prototyping for car manufacturers easier and and faster and more cost efficient and better for the environment, probably, right? Ultimately. All about prototyping. Yeah. So um, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about, you, you, you have this software that you've built for the industrial setting, but talk about how you expanded your vision so yeah, so ISER is the SDK, which we developed to leverage our software. And we found out that not only we ran into this issue, but sort of every XRX um, developer has the issue of performance. Because these edge devices, you can believe me, they are really, really low performance. And uh, that's why our vision now become make XR streaming for all applications available. And for this, the ISER SDK is freely available for everybody who wants to buy it from us. You can build your own XR apps with it. And also we want to 
go the next step that we all not only host our application on the AWS, but we are able to host every ISA application on the AWS so that the end customer always only needs their edge device, log in there, can use whatever app they want with unlimited performance, which I think is a really great. Yeah, I love the the visual image that I'm getting of the Isar River that runs through your town, uh, right, Philip? And and how you named your your solution after that, Philip? Talk to us where about where we are now. So you worked with Marcus and his team uh, for a couple weeks, developed this prototype, uh, tested it out. Um, what happened after Marcus and his team left? Yes, so what was really great, the team not only helped us developing or developed it for us, they taught us how to develop this. So after that, we could just go on with the development process, even though we didn't know much about cloud in the beginning. Um, so after the prototyping left, we had a first prototype which worked, which we could show to customers. We got really good feedback about it, and then we got, went on working. The main thing we worked on since then was billing, that we have a billing process which also includes in our in-house billing system that we can like give the customers proper receipts, everything automatic. And now, right now, we're in a private beta where we have some customers trying the product out right now. Um, the feedback right now is really good. And for the future, we plan to soon release this Ares Pro Cloud, how we call it, uh, because it's Ares on the cloud, um, to the public. Marcus, that idea of, of building together and experiential learning um, with through the prototyping process is, is something that's really foundational to the way we work, isn't it? Yes, um, and it, it kind of boils down to the to the position that you need to actually ride a bike to learn how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. We can give a lot of PowerPoint and, and other documentation on on the cloud, but usually um, customers learn a lot more when we actually are with them, building their use cases with them. And I'm really emphasizing here building with them. Um, not for them. Um, it's usually much better if if we are just guiding the customer during these engagements and experimenting with the customers so that they have the the experience of learning um, while actually working on their business. Philip, what would you share with our listeners? Your takeaways from this experience. What 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 would your advice be to others who who might be considering innovating or transforming their own uh, businesses or technology? Yeah, so my main takeaway with the cloud was you can dream a bit bigger. Because for us in the beginning, we came in with, we want to have a better customer experience and a good customer experience to use our stuff. And we came in with a certain timeline in mind, but in the end, we got more in less time because it was just so easy and convenient to use everything on AWS. Especially, for example, how easy it was with Cognitude to get a whole user management up there without doing as much. So, yeah, just dream a bit bigger. You can get there easily. I love it. Marcus, how about you? Any takeaways from this experience with Hololite? It was one of the first prototypes that we had in this environment. Um, particularly, we learned about containers. As I, as I mentioned, being used for rendering is, is not something that is currently widely supported. And uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the key learnings that we had um, on our side. And of course, we learn with every, every customer um, a bit more about how to enable customers in, in such a way. It is so exciting, isn't it, to, to be able to kind of walk in the shoes with uh, Philip and his team as they design these new and transformative, innovative 
solutions for their own end customers. So um, it's really exciting. And thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today and sharing your journey with us. Thank you that we were here. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank our listeners for coming on today's journey with us. Innovation Ambassadors is a production of the AWS Media Series. Look for future episodes of our vodcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite streaming platform. If you have ideas for future episodes or comments on this one, send us a tweet at hashtag AWS Innovation Ambassadors and share your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you.